Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Right on Crime podcast. My name is Britt Allen with Right on Crime. In states across the nation, Right on Crime works to support conservative criminal justice solutions from government accountability and legislation to ongoing community services. The work never ends for our incredible state directors. And I have the distinct honor of having our Kentucky state director, Joey Comley, with me today. Hey, Joey. Pleasure to be here. Welcome to Austin. I appreciate it. How's it been so far? I love Austin. I, I love any chance to, to get into a big city, yeah. right? So whether it's here in Texas or a trip to Lexington or Louisville, um, metropolitan areas have kind of an energy and a buzz about them that, yeah. that you don't have um, in, in rural Kentucky, which um, <laughs> I like that I don't have it often, yep. but I do enjoy the opportunities to come and experience it. Yeah. Well, it helps that our Tex-Mex is, I mean, the best. That's so, true. That's true. And that's what you fed me for lunch. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, you can't come here and not have tacos for lunch. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming with us today. And I just want to jump in really quick and have you introduce yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Okay. So uh, I am a private practitioner in Kentucky. I run my own small uh, criminal defense firm mm-hmm. that mainly focuses on uh, military criminal defense. Right. So that takes me all over the United States and frankly, all over the world, anywhere where service members are stationed. That's where I go to represent them. Um, What I've done is essentially dovetailed my military experience where I was a judge advocate for the army. um, And I practice in a number of different positions there as a prosecutor, as a defense counsel, supervising both of those ends of the justice system and then redesigning justice systems and jurisdictions on behalf of the Army for new units, and then also doing some legislative council work on the Hill. Awesome. So you're also from California. I'm from California. I try to have people not hold it against me too much. But all that to say, tell me a little bit about your story and kind of how you grew up and then eventually what led you into criminal justice in this whole world. So, you know, I'd like to say I'm from California. I definitely have a California experience in my background. But up until last year, I always just said I was from America (laughs) Uh, because in the Army, you don't have a home state. Right. Um, You do for tax purposes. Um, and Texas is a wonderful one. Uh, but very rarely uh, do you have a, a state that really feels like home because you're moving around every one, two or three years. Right. Um, so for me, born in Colorado, my my parents wanted to get as far as they could away from one another. Mm-hmm. When they split up, I was like four at the time. Mom went to Mississippi. Dad went to California. The choice was easy for me in the 80s where I was going. Uh, so I spent most of my time in California, but went to live with my mom uh, when I was 13. Uh, for a year. That year, she went to law school. Mm. Uh, So that was kind of my first introduction to the legal profession and the the study of the law. Um, I would shadow her and sit in the back of class and and pick things up here and there um, and knew that I had an interest. It was around that time that I think in our school curriculum, I read To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Um, And for those of you that have read that book, you know what I'm talking about. The result is not great, uh, but it is a story about Uh, the defense of a man accused of murder. Mm. Um, So he gets convicted in that case. Um, (laughs) Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Couple that with my brother. My brother also went to law school, became an attorney. He did so three years prior to me. Uh, So I could, you could say it runs in the family, um, but really it's subject of the last 20 years. So I was going to say Christmas and Thanksgiving must be really fun when you guys all get together. There's a lot of healthy debate. (laughs) 
healthy is the keyword yeah. there. Well, that's awesome. So you are here and you're representing your state of Kentucky. Um, you know, the criminal justice system, we do a lot of things well. We do a lot of things not so great. So when it comes to your state, what is it that you feel like you guys do particularly well? I think what Kentucky does really well is it focuses in on, on kind of its innate character. Kentucky's filled with kind people, and that's that's one of the reasons that that my family and I chose to stay in Kentucky when every other state was an option uh, for us in terms of retiring and settling somewhere. Um, I, I've seen that reflected in the composition of our General Assembly. I've seen it reflected in the character of our members of the executive branch and our agency leads. And I think that that kindness generates concern. Mm. And, and sometimes that's, that's unhealthy because concern can actually take you in a number of different directions. And if you're not really careful about your actions, you can yield conflict from that. Um, but I think that concern actually manifests in action more often than not. So what Kentucky is rarely going to do from a legislative standpoint, especially as it relates to criminal justice, mm -hmm. is sit back on its heels. Uh, it's, it's definitely a state of action. Um, and when it sees a problem, it comes up with a solution. Yeah. Uh, now, sometimes, does that mean there's not adequate data to support the immediate direction? Mm -hmm. Yes. But I think Kentuckians are, are very humble people too, right? So they're quick to correct uh, what results in a failure or a shortcoming at addressing any particular criminal justice or legislative solution. Yeah. That's amazing. And then on the flip side of that, you know, there's always gaps and opportunities where we can do better and be better. So when it comes to your state, where do you feel like the gaps and opportunities are in the justice system? I think there's significant gaps in, in obviously some of the funding that Kentucky aligns with its programmatic solutions. Mm -hmm. so, so they're really good, like I said, about yeah. taking action. Um, every other year we have a budget year. This year is a budget year. Mm -hmm. uh, so it'll be very interesting to see especially with we have an omnibus uh, criminal justice bill that's been floated in the House right now, the Safer Kentucky Act. Mm -hmm. So where are the funds that help implement some of these programs? Whatever that ultimately looks like at the, the end of session, whenever it, it comes off the committee floor and, and goes to the you know, General Assembly floor for a floor vote, what does it look like and is the money backing all of those programs? Because uh, one of the programs, for example, is to establish a new Kentucky State Police Post in Louisville. Um, I, I'm very much in favor of that proposal because that gets after some preventative measures, mm. right? It increases the presence and capability from a investigative standpoint uh, and a testing lab testing standpoint and just professionalism of law enforcement in Louisville. And as you know, I mean, we're no stranger to recent events. Kentucky's had some issues mm -hmm. in Louisville mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, like it or not, actually ended up with some federal intervention and, and mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. So. And, you know, before we started talking on air, you mentioned that when it comes to the state of Kentucky, y'all's recidivism rate is the lowest in state history. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? That's correct. So the governor just announced, I think it was this summer, mm -hmm. uh, that we are right there around 27 percent, mm -hmm. which is at least as long as they've been recording data, mm -hmm. it's it's the lowest in our state's history. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what's more important is there's there's now a real recognition in Kentucky that the overwhelming majority of our our folks who are living incarcerated are there uh, either because they're suffering from some type of mental health issue, right. 
some type of drug issue, or a combination of both. Um, and, and one thing I'm really proud of our Kentucky Department of Corrections on is that they're really leaning forward with their substance abuse treatment programs. Mm. Um, a recent analysis of those programs and their successes or failures uh, actually highlighted that one year post-release, our folks who participate in those substance abuse programs, mm -hmm. treatment programs, have a 90% stable housing rate. Oh, wow. And we know, all of us in this space know that a, a stable house is a starting point for stable relationships, for stable growth um, as an individual, um, and then obviously for stable employment thereafter. Mm -hmm. So the starting point for, for anyone who's recent re recently released from confinement is a stable home to reset their lives and to get back on track so that they can actually take a meaningful place in society. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And like we've said multiple times, reentry and recidivism, that's something that Right on Crime is so passionate about. So that's fantastic. Um, you've got a session coming up. We do. Yep. January 2nd. Yeah, I know. And, and the lead up to that is always, always exciting and always really busy. So what are the goals and hopes for your upcoming session next year? So on the, on the 15th, actually, of this month, so mm -hmm. in a week, we'll learn exactly what's in the Safer Kentucky Act. Right now, we have um, a, a, a smattering of, of 20 different proposals. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen just very general descriptions of those proposals. There are some that um, we will definitely attack with vigor, mm -hmm. um, I think, because they, they don't do anything other than over-criminalize mm -hmm. conduct in Kentucky um, and they're going to lead to increased, you know, imprisoned populations and folks who are in prison staying there for lengthier periods of time. Mm. Uh, so I, I think that's a burden that the Commonwealth is going to have to shoulder in terms of both the loss of those individuals and the impact that they have on their homes, their communities, um, uh, but also on our budget. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, putting a dollar amount to the consequences, forecasting what these you know, tough on crime policies are going to do is mm -hmm. something that should influence lawmakers as they work to yeah. massage the Safer Kentucky Act. So number one, I'd like to massage that into something that's workable. Mm. I'm not naive. We have to do something as it relates to increases in, in violent crime and in um, nonviolent consumer crime. We, we have to do something. And we've, we've got to bring people back to shops. We've got to bring people back to the arteries of Kentucky, which are these big cities. Mm. Um, and, and we have to reinstill a confidence in, in, in consumers that really is the result of public safety. Right. Um, but I think there's a way to do that, that also respects um, individual freedoms mm. and liberties um, and, and, and treats criminal activity proportionally. Yeah to its actual effect on the community. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Well, we're super excited to see your session and see everything that comes out of that. And obviously you're rooting for you. It's gonna be incredible. Um, so I wanna pivot really quickly, something that I like to ask guests, because sometimes in the work of policy, it can be a little hard and a little bit difficult in terms of just the emotional aspect of it. And things can feel a little bit heavy. So what is it about your state or the country in general that makes you feel optimistic about the state of criminal justice, or at least that we're headed in the right direction? So I, I'd love to say that I'm optimistic about where the country is headed in mm -hmm. general as it relates to criminal justice, but <laughs> I'd be lying to you. That's fair. Um, That's totally fair. <laughs> so I think, you know, right on crime is in 
some states that are that are moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd like to see it in some states that that offer more challenging landscapes. Um, uh, if if we wanted to get after national priorities, I, I love what TPPF does in that space. Mm-hmm. But I think you need boots on the ground if you really want to move things in the right direction. Sure. Um, but I'm I'm very optimistic that Kentucky will be measured in its response mm. to increasing crime rates. Yeah. Um, I know that we have folks that are most impacted by current criminal activity in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're pushing hard against that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a natural response. Yeah. I think it, it requires the greater Commonwealth. It requires the other 100 and probably 17 counties mm-hmm. that don't make up the greater Louisville area to kind of help influence that so that it doesn't overcorrect mm-hmm. what it perceives as a, a criminal problem. Awesome. No, that's great. And then lastly, where can people keep up with you and the work that you're doing in Kentucky? So I'm on everything. Uh, I have a, a, you know, a very poor presence on Instagram. That's because <laughs> I, I can't figure out the difference between a real, a regular posting, my story. It's a lot. It, it's just, it's too complicated. We'll right? figure it out. We'll get there. I'm on yeah. Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, and then obviously you guys do a wonderful job. Amplifying our voice uh, at the state level and and, and pushing it to a wider, more national audience. And I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining, Joey. It's always a blast to get to talk to you. Thank you guys for joining us again on the Right on Crime podcast. To find out more about these issues and more conservative solutions from across the nation, you can visit our website at rightoncrime.com. Talk to you soon.